and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back on the cartoons that shaped our childhoods. This is episode three. Three, two, three. Three. It's yeah. three. Um, apologies in advance. I am not really with it this morning. I had quite a late night. I'm also quite fluey. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm maybe not my brightest and best today. Uh, episode three, and we're going to be looking at Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhounds. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, to be back on the show before we start, um, obviously based on Alexander Dumas' novel, um, it was actually Spanish and Japanese co-production, which I, I found fascinating. I thought, I thought the French were being. I always awesome. thought it was French. It wasn't until we started doing a bit of research. We do do some research. Well, Mark does all the research. Um, <laughs> I, I read Wikipedia, basically. Um, I always thought it was French. It had that kind of obviously the story's French. Yeah. And it had that kind of French cartoon look about it as well. But no, it was Spanish. It was BRB International, who yeah. also did uh, Willy Fogg. Yes. Which I'm is. sure we'll talk about at some point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was um, a Spanish-Japanese co-production, BRB and Nippon Animation. Um, just made me laugh. Um, the Japanese translation, it's, um, the pronunciation, from what I can tell, and apologies to anyone who speaks Japanese, is Wanwan Sanjushi, um, which translates uh, as the Woof Woof Three Musketeers. That is a far better title. I mean, um, Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhounds is already pretty excellent, but the Woof Woof Musketeers yeah, is superb. That's pretty fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, I've, that made me laugh this morning when I was looking at that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was saying, I, was, I, assumed it was sort of, I assumed it was French, because it was French set and mm. the rest of it, but it had some particular look to it as well. Um, if, and it sort of pokes fun at some of the, the, the French stereotypes, like um, Dog Tanyon with the big nose, yeah, yeah. Um, which you wouldn't think anybody else would do. They'd be afraid of upsetting people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, just does seem very French. Um, yeah. In the same way that a couple of episodes ago we talked about Inspector Gadget, now that seemed rather sort of French as well. Yeah. It's that same kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know what about it makes it French. The but maybe it is the style, as you say, like the bigger noses and stuff like that. And seems to well, it, it, I mean, of course, it has a European sensibility. It's Spanish at the end yeah. of the day, but it does just seem French. Um, so yeah, that is surprising. I mean, the other thing that surprised me is just how old this cartoon is. I mean, yeah. it's actually only younger than me by about six months, which means it was in development when I was sperm. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's older than me. And I so I hadn't realised, I mean, again, it's one of these, the, as you go back to it and you look at it, it makes sense, but it wasn't actually released in this country until 1985. So it was four wow. years old by the time it actually came, by the time it in this country. So it had already been and gone in, in Spain and Japan. Now that explains quite a lot because, um, as I said, when we were talking about Inspector Gadget, I always have a memory of that always being there in that it's been a constant and it's always been on. I don't so much get that with Dog Tanyon in as much as it's always been on, but it's certainly one of the earliest cartoons I can ever remember watching. Like as, a, as an actual vivid concrete memory of a show, Yeah, I can remember watching Dog Tanyon and, and loving it. And the fact that it, it had this, it was one story. It had a story arc. It wasn't like an episode of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and even at that young age, I can remember watching it and because it's narrated as well. So it would always end with a kind of narrator giving you the lowdown on what's happened and what's going to happen next week and that yeah. kind of serialised format. And I can always remember wanting to get to next week. Yeah. Um, and then it changed sides over here as well. I always remember it being on BBC and then all of a sudden being on ITV. And again, even as a child, I can remember like, why is it on CITV now? This used to be on BBC. What yeah. is going on? I mean, I... I... It, the, the page I was reading didn't go into that. It just said it, 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 it aired first in this country in January 1985. 
Um, it didn't go into what sort of channels had been on that, but it's a, it's one of those. It must have been on ITV at one point because we never watched BBC for the kids' programs. It was always ITV. Yeah. So I must have seen it there. Yeah. Um, but then again, and you know, when it when it was first on, I was, would be probably too young to just about see it. So it's probably what it, I'd imagine it was on BBC and then it reran. I mean, yeah, they, I say like Inspector Gadgets always reran. I remember this being on right through my childhood. Mm. Um, there was only, well, as I'm sure we'll touch on later, it, as it turns out, there was a second series, but I always remember watching the same episodes. I have seen some of these episodes multiple times um, because they were only, what, 20-something? 26. It seems to be the way that they did kids' shows in the 80s. They'd do a run of 24 to 26, and they would, it would be enough to get them syndication. So mm-hmm. It would be enough to, just, to be able to repeat it. Um, the second series was also twenty six. That didn't uh, that didn't air till nineteen ninety. Did the second series have a different title as well? Yeah, it was the Return of D'Artagnan. Well, of course. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it was set ten years later. Um, they're all retired. D'Artagnan married Juliet. They've got kids, and it follows um, the Man in the Iron Mask. It follows. The, right. It starts with that story, and then there's a, there, there are sort of five or six distinct points to the series. Um, with sort of certain episodes making up each, each part. Um, so you start off with the man in the eye mask and then you've got, um, once that story is finished and they put the king's evil twin back in, in the mask in the tower, he then escapes and you have a series where he's trying to overthrow the king but in different ways. Oh, so okay. it's it was um, it was the same characters. Most of the voices changed actually as well. Um, I think there were only half a dozen people actually stayed from the original series. Oh, okay. So, uh, I mean, the only real, I'm, I'm sure there are, um, the way these cartoons work I'm sure there are many members of the voice cast that have voiced other characters that we've known but the only one that stands out to me is Cam Clark who yeah. played Dotanian but he didn't in the second series right okay in the second series it was one of the guys who um, did the English adaptations for the script whose name I can't remember Dave Mallow um, he co-directed and co-adapted the first series so when they did the second series they didn't bring Cam Clark back the only returning cast of four of them uh, Eddie Frierson played Aramis, um, Rebecca Forstadt played Juliet, Steve Craven played Pip, and Mike Reynolds played Widmer. So everybody else changed. Wow, like, yeah, that is quite a... I mean, if you think of your principal cast, I think you've got another 10 who uh, who changed. Mm. So it's quite a big it's quite promotion. a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's nine years between the first series and the second, so I mean, it's quite possible people retired, people didn't sound the same. Well, I mean, Cam Clark would have still been around. Um He's quite a big voice actor. He also, uh, for those who don't know, we're also talking about a guy here that voiced Leonardo in Ninja Turtles and and all sorts of things. He's done many a video game as well. But I, I guess Dog Tanyan in the original series uh, was a young character. He yeah. was a young boy. That was the whole point of it. So if the sequel is set sort of 10 years later or whatever and he's grown up and had kids, then naturally his voice is going to, well, his balls yeah. are going to have dropped, yeah. basically. So that voice that would have changed anyway. I don't know. I guess it does, but it happens earlier. Yeah, I guess. Because dogs can breed earlier. Yeah. I, I mean, I suppose because they're so anthropomorphized, it's very difficult to know how it works. And you sort of, there are assumptions you have to make. Well, I think if you listen to a puppy yapping, then they're quite high-pitched. And if you listen to a dog barking, then yeah. it's a lot deeper. True. So I guess dogs' balls do drop. Yeah, I guess so. I will find out before the next episode. <laughs> Tune in next time, folks. <laughs> if you know, if you know, feel free you know. to let us know. Yeah. Um, surely they must do. Yeah, they must do. It's just not something I've thought about, I've got to be honest. 
I tend not to think about dogs fucking too much, um, even anthropomorphized dogs. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? Um, <laughs> so yeah. So I'm talking about the voice actors and how the how they've changed, and the fact that you've gone from having D'Artagnan as a young character to being uh, a full fledged. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So I, I guess you can understand from that point of view. But then the weird thing for me, I mean, I didn't even know the second series existed. The the weird thing for me about it was then finding out it's actually taken on. As you say, it went into the Man of the Iron Mask and stuff like that. So it's taken on a whole another chapter of French literature and just followed it through again, rather than going its own way. Yeah. I mean, this first series was very specifically an adaptation. Yeah. Of the book, and actually a fairly faithful one compared to some of the adaptations. Yeah, that's that true. Actually. Made. All right, everybody's a dog. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I can accept that because the the way they've. If if it was well, actually not everybody's a dog. There are cats. Yeah, and there's the mouse and incidental and, characters are like yeah. mice and pigs and yeah. Um, but that's the way you bring it to kids. You, know, you you make it so that there's something unique and definitive about it, but still tell the story in a way that they engage. So making them you know, fairly cute dogs and having some you know, some fairly sort of snarky, nasty looking dogs as the uh, the villains. That's how you kind of that's how you bring the show to kids. So they they'll. If you animated people doing that, they would go, oh, what's this about? Yeah, what is this about? Yeah. So at least by having dogs in it, it's quite funny. It's quite numb. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, as a four-year-old, I would have been when this first started airing. So it probably would have been a little bit later when I actually started coming to grips with it and realising what it was then. But as a young child, I think if this had been people, I'd have looked at it and gone, oh, this is set in like old-timey yeah. times in France. This is not, I, I'm not interested in old-timey French people yeah, exactly. walking around with swords. But you give me a dog with a honking great big red nose that glows when he's angry. And I'm just like, yeah, this is all right. Yeah. And a funky hat and all the rest of it. Yeah, he did have a cool hat with a feather and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that theme tune as well. Like, you yeah. hear that and as a kid, just straight away. Like, you listen to it now, it is rather annoying, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, um, I actually talked about the theme tune I had not was quite a big of this. Um, the, if you go to muskhounds.com, there's the lyrics and the download. Um, but it's something that there's six or seven verses to it. There are what now? Um, yeah. All I know is all for one and one for all, muskhounds are always ready. There are more <laughs> lyrics than that. Oh, and then he goes, something, something, helping everybody. One for all and all for one. Muscle hounds are always ready. One for all and all for one. Helping everybody. One for all and all for one. It's a pretty story. Sharing everything with fun. That's the way to be. Uh, then there's a slightly different version of that. Then there's four verses. Jesus um, If you go to muscahounds.com and, and actually play it, um, let's say it's like a minute and a half. Now, with these verses, do we include the verses that are just woofs? Because there is a point where it just goes, like... Woof, 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 woof. No, um, these, these are actual words. Um, and then for the Return of D'Artagnan, you have a variation on it, um, which is slightly shorter. And wow. Then, and then the Brazilian, oh, fucking hell, this, they've, they've, this website's got the Brazilian, Finnish, French, German lyrics and downloads for everything. So it's, it'd be interesting to see what the differences are in, the, in some of these uh, iterations. I'm quite interested to download them and listen to the woof verses because. Obviously, woof is woof in any language, I would imagine. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, but it's going to be in a different accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a different voice and a different accent, so I'm quite interested to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're not going to put them all on, on the show, but if you go to uh, com, they're not paying me, so I'm, I've given, plugged them three times and not saying it again. Um, it's all on there, so go, uh, go nuts. Let us know what you think. Um, 
via the website ddpodcast.net or at ddpodcast.net on Twitter. Um, be questions to hear, hear your thoughts on that one because it absolutely baked my, no- my noggin at uh, 6 o'clock this morning. Well, that's an early plug. We haven't got to the end of the episode <laughs> yet and we're playing in. That's, that's quite late. We're like 12 minutes in. Fair play. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that was... It always fascinates me. It, it's the same as if you're talking... I'm, you, you talk about lots of songs that people know. Even things like, oh, God Save the Queen, there are four verses to that. People only know the first one, myself included, because why do you need to the rest of it? You only have, you only have I played. know the first verse. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a do a genuine nobody really pays attention to it, but um, yeah, it's, it's it was absolutely fascinating. I hadn't realized, and it's kind of twee when you look at the lyrics as well. Um, the whole thing was quite twee, really, if we're honest about it. Yeah, it was everything was very cutesy, and as you say, it appealed to kids in that way. Yeah, um, they didn't really back off from the, the source material at all, but it was presented in a very twee cutesy kind of way it was kind of dark actually yeah um and you go through i mean i've, I've rewatched the first sort of three or four episodes and i've been reading um about the rest of it the first one it's kind of so it sets it up it's a typical origin story it doesn't really do much apart from setting you up then you've got the second one um i think it's the second or third episode where he's on his way to paris and he gets set upon but he's in um at an inn and uh black mustache um is there and they rob him and they beat him up and then you know, they leave him in the inn, you know, at the inn. Um, you know, his sword, the sword his father gave him gets broken and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Then you know, he, the, the third or fourth episode when he gets to he gets to Paris he's sleeping rough because he, he hasn't got any money and he, he ends up getting into, fight, into fights with people. So it is actually quite dark. It's quite, it's, it's quite gritty for a kid's story but because of the way it's presented you kind of gloss over that. Yeah, I think I would I certainly know I would have completely missed all that as a kid because as a kid it was just like oh look it's Don Canyon he's a cute little dog yeah and I mean the, it was it was an engaging enough story that you would follow it. oh okay well oh, can I, his sword's broken what's he going to do now but you never really sort of thought about it in terms of hang on he's just been mugged and left in a ditch somewhere yeah and now he's sleeping rough because he can't afford to stay anywhere but he's determined to get to Paris so to join the Musketeers it's kind of his own fault as well though because he is a cocky little shit oh he was an absolute know. wanker yeah um and I think that's he's kind of deserved a beating. I mean, honest. that's that's kind of where Pip came in, and he, came, he only came in about halfway through the series. I can't remember, yeah. but he sort of acted as sort of Jimmy Cricket sort of character, um, yeah. and was effectively you know, okay, put your sword down, actually talk to people, mm. you know. And it was that sort of that's the way the character developed, the, the character evolved because, as I said at the start, he was a cocky little shit, and he was always getting into fights, he was always getting into trouble, um, because he knew he knew he was good at the sword. Um, he didn't really worry about anything else. And because of that, I say, you've got this, I say, yeah, it coming a lot of the time. And he didn't really start to develop until about halfway through the series when he actually you know, started to learn about being patient and being fairly diplomatic and all that sort of stuff. Originally, it was just, you know, slash first, I'll ask questions later. So what we're saying, folks, is essentially we have a hero on a redemption arc yeah. in a kid's show. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's like the 80s knew what they were doing. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, you're dead right. By, by the time you get to the end of, I think it is the second episode, the sword is broken, he's lost all his money, he's used his mother's magical ointment that she gives yes. him that cures all wounds. Um, and he's essentially left with nothing except an old nag. Yeah. Um, and he then has to learn to be humble, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the virtue of sword fighting. So yeah, it is, for a kid's show, that is actually quite adult. Yeah, and like we, we've talked about this on, as we talked about this on Inspector Gadget, we talked about this um, to a lesser extent when we uh, talked about Batman, and we've talked about it on Who Wins as well, is that 
shows from you know, from the eighties, you, you did have these sort of big sweeping character arcs. You didn't; it wasn't always Monster of the Week or absolutely. No. You had a story that you could follow. Whereas now you don't seem to get that. It tends to be we'll give you a bite-sized chunk of fifteen to twenty minutes. It's usually shite, but it's all self-contained, mm. and we haven't got to worry about it next time. I mean, there's a show that Jess just started watching on Channel Five. Um, and they're all self-contained episodes. The only thing they've done is after about 10 episodes, they've introduced a new character. Right. Um, but beyond that, the continuity is no, it's exactly the same. There's nothing. It doesn't know it starts and ends in the same place. You just have a little sort of story in the middle. And that's the way the, that's the, the problem is. That's the way kids' TV is now. So kids aren't learning to, to follow arcs and to do that. It's, it's very much bite-sized. And it's very much, okay, you have the attention span of a cock spaniel. So we'll give you something that fills that. Rather Featuring than, cock spaniels. Well, yeah. In this is, <laughs> as it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it, it's interesting that sort of, even no, even now sort of no, like nearly forty years later, we're we're talking about yeah. how the, how these shows work and how they, they've not improved at all. They've actually become worse in this in the way they they're put together. I would yeah, I mean that's obviously a matter of opinion, but I would definitely agree. I think um, well, so from a storytelling point of view, anyway. I mean, I certainly, of, yeah. In yeah. terms of animation, technique, and all this sort of stuff, I think the vast well, I mean, even so, when you, when you look at it for the time, I mean. Look, the animation was Japanese, so it is what it is. Uh, many of these shows at the time were farmed out to Japan because they turned this animation around so cheaply. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the worst animation I've ever seen. You don't get tons of repeated frames no. and skip frames and stuff like that. Everything's fairly fluid. Um, certainly, Dogtanian as a character is pretty expressive. I mean, yeah. the idea of giving him the nose was was a, a strong choice straight away. When he's angry, his nose starts glowing red. Yeah. So be, you know be, he's cheesed off. But because of the shape of it as well, that it, and because the way the way the, so the, the, the nose and the snout comes back around into the mouth, it's a lot more special than when he smiles. It's a big smile because the, so the back yeah. of the nose is moving as well. So it, I say it's, a, it's a very big choice. I mean, I'm assuming he's supposed to, be some, supposed to be some sort of beagle. Yeah, I always assumed he was... For some reason, um, when I looked back at this before we... Obviously, we rewatch all of these shows before we start, but initially it's just a memory. And when I look back on this, for some reason, I thought he was a spaniel. Right. I don't know why. I think that probably comes down to the image of a musketeer in my head with a long perm and stuff like that. So mm. you straight away go to a spaniel with the. And I'm pretty sure at least one of the musketeers is a spaniel. Um, oh, yeah. So there you go. But I, in my head, I always thought Dog Canyon was. And then as soon as I started watching it, I was going, oh, no, of course, he's a beagle because he's the smallest of them all. Yeah. Um, and the snout and stuff as well does tend to suggest that he's, he's probably a beagle. Yeah. So, but those those design choices, which go hand in hand with the animation, you know, there's things like his nose, there's things like black moustaches, black moustache. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very expressive. You know, yeah. he, can, he can twirl his moustache in a, in a proper villain kind of way. Yeah, that's it. And like you look at some of the choices of some of the others as well. I mean, um, Athos is a what's that? Say Bernard? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I know the type of dog. I mean, but I'm not I'm not good with the names. It's a Beto, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's the same Bernard. Um, like the way they've done him, they've kind of made him almost bear-like. You know, he's bigger than everybody else. He's stronger than everybody else. He doesn't tend to need his sword. He just beats people up with his yeah, balls, he's uh, a tank. Hand yeah. slash balls. Um, for some reason, I've got this in front of me, Dan, nobody seems to know why, but they swapped um, Athos and Porthos over from the way they were in the novel. Right, so, I didn't realise that. Um, um, for yeah. a disclaimer, not read the novel. Um, I have, but a fucking long time ago. My 
my touch point for anything related to the Three Musketeers is the Kiefer Sutherland movie. All right, so, which yeah, wasn't that bad. It's as a fucking an, great film. I don't know how. As, as as a film, it's good. As an adaptation, it's all right. Okay. And there, there's some bits that weren't quite right with the text, and bits that they missed out. But I would imagine so. But that's that's how adaptations work, and you're never going to get it 100 spot on. Um, but yeah, um, they've given a bit of history on this website and how accurate it is. You never know sort of who the characters are based on and sort of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they've, um, the description of Athos, um, Athos is probably the strongest man in France, strong enough he doesn't always need to use a sword. He's also a bit of an alcoholic. Nice. So yeah, on a, on a website describing a kid's TV show, they're all re- on the second page, they're talking about one of the principal characters being an alcoholic. I mean, we have to bear in mind this is set in France, so everyone's yeah. a fucking alcoholic. Well, that's it. It's no, why, why have milk when you can have wine? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty... But yeah, I mean, it, today, and, and even in the 80s, to be fair, th- there would have been a temptation. Well, no, not even a temptation. The way this would have been done in any other show would have been to retain that alcoholism, but to swap alcohol out for something like dog treats or milk. or Yeah. Uh, like, there would be some form like, of addiction, but it would not yeah, be like to a mind-altering th- substance. I think Disney did it. Was it in... Ta- um, no, it was in um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, where Monroe Jack, anytime he smelled cheese. Yeah. It would be that sort of thing. So you substitute crack cocaine or whatever it is yeah. for cheese. For cheese, or, yeah. Or dog biscuits or no, candy or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, they've just gone straight out and he's always drinking. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of uh, kind of a difficult one. Um, so on the flip side of that, um, Porthos, the leader of the Musketeers, is the best swordsman in the corps, and he's not a thief, he's the bravest and noblest of Musketeers because of dodgy past. In the novels, he's Athos, revealed to be Milady's ex-husband, he also tries to drown his past in drink. So again, this they've taken that part of the character from the novel and just given the other name, and I can't for the fuck of me work out why. I mean... Obviously, it's adaptation, so they can kind of do what they like with it, but that does seem fairly pointless. Yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe somewhere in amongst a French text being translated to English and then adapted by Spanish. and Well, it was, it was tra- translated to Spanish and Japanese. Then it, then the show was translated to English, so fuck knows how they've yeah, done it. Yeah, so somewhere along the line. Somebody's missed something. Yeah, I mean, this is so far removed from the original source yeah. by this point. I mean, you always get the impression that they've gone, oh, well, yeah, well, this, is a, this is a character, and then they've, they've read, and you're like, hang on, there's only two musketeers. What, what, what have we done? Yeah. Oh, fuck, we, we've got those two together. All right, well, he can be that one, and he can be that one. And they haven't really thought about which one they're doing. Well, I mean, that is quite common in adaptation, particularly of larger works. It's quite common to kind of snowball characters, multiple characters into one. Yeah, I, I get that, but when it's as fundamental as Dog's Hand and the Three Musketeers and you've only there got two Musketeers. There needs to be three. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of a fundamental mistake. Yeah. Um, interestingly, actually, um, it's called Dog's Hand and the Three Musketeers. Never in the entire show are they referred to as Musketeers. No, they're Musketeers. Yeah. I never got that. Yeah. It's kind of like they didn't back their own product. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they don't, Everybody in the world doesn't know that they're animals, and there are no humans in the world. Hmm. So, yeah, it's almost like they've just made a decision to draw them as animals, and that's that. Like, you don't see a dog go up to a pig and go, you're a pig, you're not a dog. Yeah. You know, they don't seem to cotton on to the fact that they're all different species. Yeah. It's like, everyone is essentially a human, just drawn differently. 
and that's that. It's it's kind of an interesting message in that respect. Of, that you talk about the eighties, of, of there are various flashpoints throughout the eighties of racial tension and all the rest of it. Yeah. So it's it's interesting in that way that by taking the human element out and replacing them with animals, you can have multiple species and you can have different types of dog that are all that are all working together. And for, for, you haven't got divisions in that sense. So it's interesting in that point. But it just seems to me that the fact they they went to the trouble of giving you that name mm. and then not doing anything with it. It's, yeah. Again, it seems to be a fairly redundant choice, and I think that's something that... <sighs> I think, again, though, is selling it to children. Like, if you if you see D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers as a child, you probably can't even read Musketeers. Mm. So you, and, if you can get past D'Artagnan, you're doing quite well. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's probably not going to... But when it says musker hounds and there's a picture of dogs, in, right, straight away, even as an adult, dog in a hat is worth watching. Right, you put a hat on a dog, I'm there. Right, you might only hold my attention for like 30 seconds if the dogs are going to do anything, but I will show up and watch a dog in a hat and see what happens. Yeah, like me, animals and people close just don't do it for me. That's hilarious. YouTube is built on this phenomenon. Yeah, YouTube kind of defies the internet because the internet was built for sharing boobs and all of a sudden there's like cat videos and shit. Yeah, yeah. again, you put a cat in a hat. Some people have. Uh, (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. But if you put... Human is something about animals thinking they're people that is just inherently funny. It just. I think you've got to be an animal person to see. I'm, I do know me. I'm not an animal person, so just animals are animals. I don't get it. Yeah, oh, I, I and, and, and that's fine. It's it's a it's a it's a just a difference thing. But yeah, for me, it's it's one of those that I say just, I don't get. I mean, it's also there's also a certain amount of that, then that automatically suspends a disbelief and removes you from reality as well. I mean. Uh, Animations built, certain popular animations kind of built on this principle when you look at, I mean, Disney and Looney Tunes and stuff like that. It's all anthropomorphized animals. Yeah. And that's all because you get Walt Disney used to call it something like, um, was it practical impracticability or something like that? Yeah, you had, something like that. You had a term for it where it was not quite to the point where it was unbelievable. It was always just yeah. on the cusp. So, for instance, uh, Wile E. Coyote. Uh, running off a cliff, realizing what he's doing, and then trying to run back yeah. through the air. Your brain knows that can't happen, but you accept that it is yeah. happening. And it, at no point do you go, no, absolutely not. But you do that because he's an animal, so you already mm. are kind of removed because he's up on two legs and thinking and acting like a yeah. person. So that when he gets a safe drop on his head, or he's exactly. he dynamite off, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Whereas if that happened to a person, you're more likely to go. Well, no. If somebody dropped a safe on a person, it would squish them. Yeah, there'd be a lot of mess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I mean, I hadn't thought about that in, in that sense. But say, it just seem there are a few things that seem to be they've they've made decisions that they haven't really followed through on. I said the the character, the, the, so the switching the characters is the main one for me. So I don't get why. They've done and it that. does seem quite odd, particularly when it's a show that does um, spend so much time committing to its arc and, and making sure that everything is tight because it is the writing is pretty tight here. yeah um to then not follow through on something as basic as calling them the musket hounds yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a bizarre one um and the the, the lengths have gone to some of the other characters like um um the cardinal issues um is portrayed and um Colonel Rochefort does the black moustache and they, they've gone into such detail with that and with those characters mm-hmm. over the over the whole arc that you think, well, hang on, there's some basics you've missed. Yeah. It's quite frustrating in that way. But again, I mean, you wonder, if we really wanted to look at this contextually now, then we've just touched on the different species and stuff like that, and you wonder 
how much of this was genuinely intentional, how much of this was the fact that they just had to get a product out, mm. and how much of it was lost in translation. Because if it was intentional, there are very definite political overtones that can be drawn from some of the choices that yeah. are made. You know, that, for instance, farmers were, were always depicted as pigs, yeah. and criminals are cats. And, you know, there are there are comparisons that can be made there, that can be drawn up, like, where this choice, this meaning. Yeah. Um, I, the one that interested me, and I, I picked up on this, watching it this time, obviously not as a child, but, as I say, all the animals seem to think that they're all the same, as far as I'm concerned. They seem to yeah. think they're on a level playing field, regardless of all the, how they're depicted, apart from horses. Yeah, horses are still horses. Yeah. What's wrong with horses, then? And specifically, Dog Tannins is a nag. Like it's yeah, a real... it, it, yeah, it's a it's a nagged old uh, it's a nagged old car horse, effectively, isn't that? Is it Goldie? Sandy. Sandy, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and in they actually touch on it in the um, in the second series, the synopsis of the second series. Ten years have passed since the events of Red Dog Tannins and Three Muscarons. Dotanians living the outer parts of Juliet, whom he's married and had the children for the they still had Sandy, now a very old horse. Um, and then yeah, back on active series in the, the Man in the Golden Mask segments of the first couple of episodes. Um, back on active series, D'Artagnan realizes that the faithful Sandy is no longer sprightly as he used to be and cannot bear to part with his old friend. So you've got this thing that horses stay as horses and they have to get put out of pasture because they can't do it yeah. anymore. And it's weird actually. I, I don't know. Why horses specifically and nothing else? Well, that, yeah. And I mean, I, because of when you set it, like there are cars and stuff, so you need some modes, and it's the most convenient, no, it's the most recognized one. You have a horse and car. Yeah. Why they don't have a human and cart or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's I mean, something weird there where if the horses are also sentient, then I guess they're touching on oppression there. Yeah. And so the horses are this whole kind of underclass that get ridden by dogs. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't necessarily know if that's that because then, I mean, Sandy's never portrayed as being sentient. Sandy's just a horse in as much yeah, as we have. I mean, yeah, yeah they, they have so, no personality, no ability yeah. to communicate. So, I mean, in that, respect, in that respect, I don't think there is anything deliberate about sort of making them an underclass, but you're right. It's like, well, I say, why why not them? No, because you have so you have pigs mm. in that anthropomorphized sense. So, they are, no, pigs are people, and dogs are people, and cats are people, and, yeah. and, and mice are people, and whatever, um, no, whatever else they come with. But horses are horses, and I, I don't. Again, it's it's the it is that choice factor, and it seems fairly odd. And so be, you, they have to have a, a, a motor a motor conveyance. Yeah. So and like I say, a horse and a cart is what you. That would be correct for the era. Yeah. yeah. It's just. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's odd. It's, it's incongruous. Yeah. It doesn't add up with what's what's everywhere else. In that no. Animals. I mean, if if you if you had so much as one horse that was sentient, then there's definitely tones. There's. There's nothing there at the moment that makes them an underclass because they are just treated as something separate. They are horses. Yeah. So they don't function in society in a, in a kind of class role. But if they're able to talk and think and communicate on yeah. the same level as everyone else, then they're being oppressed. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's kind of fucked up anyway. But yes. Yeah, yeah it, that's right. It's... I said I hadn't again hadn't thought of it in, in that sort of level of detail, but yeah, it's it's interesting and that's it'd be I'd imagine the people who created and wrote the show are now no longer around. Um, or forty years later probably can't remember why they made certain I mean, choices. It was it let's be blunt about it, it was as simple as you've just said that he needs a mode of transport, so yeah. they gave him a horse. 
I reckon there probably was at least one conversation somewhere that went, okay, but then horses have to be horses. Yeah. Because otherwise it is fucked up. Yeah, because if you've got ones that can talk and are, say, they're on some socially level, mm. and then you have some who are, who are carting people around, carting people around, pulling, uh, pulling carriages and so on, then either they're a slave, they're a slave race who've been sold out by their own people, or they're kind of, you're kind of treating them as well. They don't speak. They're not as intelligent. Therefore, they there must be some sort of commentary on so, on sort of social learning abilities and what what you yeah, do yeah, with, yeah. with um, what's the correct term now? Um, effectively, retards. I don't. I don't know the proper. <laughs> I was going to let you try and dig yourself out of that one. I, I don't know what the term is. I apologise to anybody who may have been offended. But we've been doing shows the last four years, so fuck it. You know, you know, it works by now. I'll apologise <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I mean, so at, at that point, it, let's say if, if you have some war and some war, it becomes difficult, different, difficult again. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a that's a really weird because, I mean, if, if you did go down that route as well, then it would be like the only way, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it would be okay, but the only way you could make it okay is if the horses choose to allow people, dogs, to ride them, which in itself kind of seems like, well, why would they do that? That must have been drummed into them through centuries of oppression, yeah. you'd have thought. Unless a horse just knows it's a horse, and it's like, okay, I'm a horse, ride me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they're happy being ridden, although I doubt it. Yeah. Could, yeah, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? No. Not at all. Anyway, I think it probably was a case of they went, right, he needs a he needs to get around. around. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it's quite um, quite an interesting one. Um, so we'll talk about some of the um, we talked very briefly about some of the episodes, um, especially the first couple and how dark they are. Um, but we talked about this before we started recording, which we tend to do. We'll we'll come up with an interesting point, talk about it off air, and then forget about it when we are actually yeah, yeah. recording. Um, but I I wasn't aware they were two distinct separate series, but I remember more of the second series than the first. Like, yeah. I remember bits of the first one. And like, I remember certain characters, like I remember Black Mustache, who's not in the second series. Um, and I remember um, certainly the the, um, the first couple of episodes where he kind of, he comes from the he comes from the sticks and he's on his way to Paris. He sort of gets broken. I remember that sort of stuff. But then I remember more of the second series where he had Philippe and Fleur in it, um, and where you know he where he and Juliet are married, mm-hmm. and so the, the domesticated side. So the, the bit in the middle. So this is the that sort of the the end of the sort of this story of the first season. I don't really remember that much, whereas I think you were saying that. So you remember more of that. I have no knowledge of the sec. I didn't even know the second series existed until we started researching for this episode. I only remember the core story. Yeah, like, I, I wasn't aware there were two distinct series. I wasn't aware that it was you now D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers, and then nearly ten years later, um, the return of D'Artagnan. I, I just assumed it was it was Lily. But yeah, so it's an interesting one because I also don't remember him looking any different or behaving any differently. I mean, there's there's a storyline where um, Fleur gets kidnapped towards the, towards the end of the second series, and he's he becomes very impetuous again, and he's very no, he's because he's trying to save his daughter. Yeah. He becomes very rash, but again, he's now more logical and more rational. So then, when it comes to it, he, he does no, he will lay down his sword. He will try and cooperate and try and do what the other person asks because he knows that. If he goes in all sorts blazing, somebody's going to get killed. Yeah. Um, so that's the only the only hint of that. But so the the way it was structured, that's I 
and possibly because of the age I was at the time I, and the fact it was always it always seemed to be on, I didn't realise there was this big jump. Yeah, I mean that that must be interesting from a standpoint of like if you came to the second series first. Yeah. And Don Tanyan's uh, older and has children and is now a family minister. That that must have been harder work to get you as a child to buy in. I thought because the first series, as I watched it, then had the automatic buy-in of he's he's a, he's a child yeah. essentially going off to Paris to learn how to be a musketeer, yeah. musket hound. Um, so there's some sort of level of identification straight away. It's like, oh, he's a kid. I'm a kid. I'd like to pick a sword up and go yeah. and like poke things with it because that looks cool. Yeah. Whereas I wouldn't necessarily identify with. Oh, he's an old man with children. Like I've. And it, even if he is a a young adult with children, like as a kid, anybody over the age of like ten, yeah, is an old man. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like even teenagers are old people to kids. Yeah, that's it. So that must have been, yeah, it's a weird choice to do that to make that yeah. jump. I said, I mean, I think they were relying on people having seen the unlike the original enough to follow it. There's but, almost a commit. Well, there is a commitment to storytelling there that you probably don't see in too many other cartoons yeah there is like okay we've we've done that story we've we've set up piece we finished the story of battalion and the three musketeers yeah where do we go now okay well where do these characters go next yeah and i, I think that most series would have gone well you know we've, we've done our story or we'll move on to something yeah, entirely we, new yeah we, we've done our story we'll we'll carry on but it would have gone more episodic i think yeah. and more just okay so this is D'Artagnan and Three Musket Hounds and they're kind of like old-timey sword fighters. So yeah. they'll fight a gang of fucking pirates this week and next week they'll fight some thieves. and next Yeah. Rather than progress, they've kept them where they were and just upset the status quo every week and then made sure that by the end of the episode everything was fine. Yeah. Rather than having a whole new arc for yeah. them to go on where time has passed as well and they've yeah. developed as characters and, and not only that I mean they've they've kind of had to work it into the story of the Man in the Iron Mask because obviously the, the Musketeers are in that story but they're yeah, not but they're central not central characters, characters. Um, so the, the fact they've had to go back and sort of retcon it and, and re, basically rewrite the original story to then fit it in and then build an entire narrative out of that and to build an entire series out of that I says incredible amount of work has gone into it yeah, yeah. but it's, as I say it's it, again bizarre choices yeah, extremely bizarre. And was it the same studio that no. did the second sequel? Right, okay. on to that now. Um, so the original was um, BRB, the National and Nippon. Um, the second series um, was BRB, but it was done in conjunction with Wang uh, Wang Film Productions of Taiwan and Thames TV. Wow. Yeah. Thames TV? Was yeah. It? Right, so at this point then, it hit, the first season had obviously been on CITV. Yeah, because Thames, 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 like Thames is ponying up the money yeah. to get more D'Artagnan. Yeah, um, Nippon weren't involved. Um, but in spite of that, um, well, before that, BRB and Nippon had gone to um, Willy Fogg. And there was one other Spanish show they did as well, I can't remember what it was called, um, in some 89, where it was, it was the last time they worked together and it didn't really air that well. I was reading about it earlier, but I can't remember what it was called um, But yeah, it was one of those, it just sort of went, no, it, it tanked and it went, oh, well, fuck it. Yeah. Um, so but, I wonder then if I do actually remember parts of this second series because I've said to you I remember the jump from BBC to ITV yeah maybe that's what you remember maybe actually. that's what I remember is this second series yeah, being it, on ITV because in the second series in the first series he's, he's there he's, he's got his dapper red hat and his red tunic yeah. and stuff 
in the second series, he's blue like the rest of the Musketeers. I don't ever remember him in blue. Dotan, to me, Dotan is always red. red. And I remember yeah. that. But it's only through flicking through pictures um, when I've been researching this, so I've seen that, that he's not, he is a fully-fledged Musketeer. And I was, when, when in the first series, he's kind of set up that he's still training and he's a, yeah, he's a yeah. junior one, effectively. And you know, he's there to hinder slash help the, the actual Musketeers. Yeah. So by this point, he's one of them and has also gone off and retired. Always you know, leading a fairly quiet life. Um, he's, he's Luke Skywalker, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Basically, is what he is. Pretty much. I mean, from the time it came, it's quite understandable. Yeah. I, I hadn't really put that together until now, but he essentially is Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, and particularly when you look at, yeah, the second series where he's now fully fledged and he's retired off to the country somewhere. Yeah, and he's off living happy families. And, he, and he's, he gets he's the call to adventure again. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it is an interesting, um, an interesting way of doing it. Um, but yeah, the... So the second series was done by Thames, and so I think that's. I always associated being with Thames. It's one of those that you remember bits from, stupid bits from when you see shows like we were talking about um, Dick when we did Inspector um, Gadget. You always remember that sort of the, the Dick and the Salmon logo and stuff like that. You always remember yeah. those bits at the end of the show for whatever reason. I don't know. It's stupid because they stick in your brain, but you will associate because with it. it's called Dick. Yeah, but even with Thames, I, I, I remember that, and I remember that the, the Thames logo where you had yeah, yeah. The, the reflected letters underneath them. Yeah, that. the bridge and stuff. Yeah, so but you can still remember the theme as well, the Thames TV theme. I'll think about it, I probably can, it's probably in there somewhere. It's going in my head right now. Um, I'm not going to attempt to sing <laughs> at all today, because my voice is absolutely screwed, but it's in my head now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've just realised as you're saying it then, and like... Remember Dick because as a kid you started Dick as you just did when I said as it. I did when you said it yeah you couldn't see that but I yeah, was, I was laughing when you I said was trying it. not to laugh looking at you because I knew what you were saying but we've got Wang Dick it seems to be that when they were setting up these <laughs> these animation production studios like someone somewhere went right what euphemism can we use we we they've got Wang so we're taking Dick yeah I mean I'm not entirely sure it's that simple um, I'd like to think it is but it's probably not. Um, it's probably like some traditional family name we've just insulted a couple of million Most people. likely, but the message it sends to me is that if you want a moderately successful animation studio, you name need it to after name cock. it after a cock. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, think, I can't remember who it was when we, did, uh, when we were talking about Batman. There was one, there was a Korean company as well. Uh, we did the second series, and that was cock-related as well, I seem to remember. Yeah. Mainly because I remember you snickering about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, um, it's quite interesting. Um so yeah, the, the second series, like, I remember more of the second series, but it's kind of structured differently. So the first series was very much week-to-week, episode-to-episode, but it was an arc. The second series has got, let's see, three, four, five, five distinct parts across 26 episodes. So it so sells that you've got the Man in the Golden Mask, which is obviously their take on the Man in the Iron Mask. Um, they, they, they're called back to active service by the Queen, who's worried about her husband, who started displaying odd um, behaviours. He replaces the Musketeers with the Cardinal's Guard, which is obviously we show right. um, aim in the original series anyway. Yeah. Um, and starts acting strangely. And then they establish that it's not actually the king, it's his evil twin, and nobody knew about it was blocked in a tower for God knows how long. Um, they go through that story arc, they get they they um, they try to get him back into the tower, but then he escapes. Then you've got the second section which is the Duke of Bavaria, um, where uh, King invites the Duke of Bavaria on a diplomatic visit. Blancbeck, who's the king's brother, goes to meet him, disguised as the king, insults him so badly he leaves for home with disastrous implications of the friendship between the two countries. So again, it's the, you know, there's a, there's a story arc there. You've got 
Pedigree and Hood, which I don't remember. King receives two noblemen from Normandy, the Baron de la Tour and the Viscount de la Fontaine, who complain they're being robbed by a bandit named Pedigree and Hood, and who gives the money stolen to the peasants. So again, they're kind of... This Robin Hood? Yeah, pretty much, but French. Um, Le Robin Hood. <laughs> Le Pedigree Hood. Um, but yeah, Holy so, shit! Yeah, it is. <laughs> they've just ripped off Robin Hood. Yeah. So what? I mean, what they've done? They've, they've kind of gone. There's an there's no there's an arc with D'Artagnan and the family and the kids and with Blancbec, but they've cut because they've gone. We can't sustain that over a full series. They've got smaller stories. So then you've got um, Princess Dalma is the next section. So um, cousin of the king, invited to stay. Shown from Italy, um, the Muscovites were asked to escort her. All goes tits up because of the evil brother. And then kidney rescue, kidnap rescue, and triumph, which is his, where the king has his ultimate, uh, the, the, the evil twin has his ultimate plan. Kidnap Fleur, get D'Artagnan to overthrow the king and, put, and install him. Doesn't necessarily work. But yeah, so I mean, they've done it, because the way they've broken it down into those sort of chunks, it means that, again, as we were saying, the, the first series was very, very linear. The second series, not so much. There's still a linear narrative there, but it's kind of yeah, compressed a bit. Over different stories. I'm, I'm fucking fascinated by this Robin Hood thing now. Yeah, like, we may have to go and Google this. Well, I, I mean, it's making me wonder whether, at some point, bear in mind this was 81 that it started. Yeah. Whether at some point, all of these guys were sat around watching Disney's Robin Hood and going, ah, we really should have thought of this. Yeah. And so... And so They've just taken a similar kind of story and made D'Artagnan and the Three Muscahounds, which has been successful in its own right. So by the time they yeah. get to series two, they go, right, fuck it. Yeah, what do we want to do? How do yeah, we, we want to do Robin Hood? Because um, a lot of the writers were the same. I'm saying it's different companies that made it, but a lot of the writers came back and said um, most of the actors changed. Mm. Um, but there's a core team that was still there. Um, and like the, the people who adapted, I said, um, the guys who adapted the, the British version. Um, from the from the Japanese or from the Spanish and then Japanese I can't remember quite how it worked um, so they took some of the voices so they were involved in the first series and then they were directly involved in the second series as well so there's, there's that very much that continuity there mm. um, it's, it does sort of show let's say it would be, be being different studios it would be very easy for, them, for the animation to start looking different and, and for things to drop off as well so the fact that they've kept apart from losing the voices the fact they've kept everything else has been really well done yeah um, but yeah, um, I said I think you're right. I think they've got that second series. Well, what, right, well, we we can't really tell the same story again. The story's been done. So what do we do now? I, I just I wonder whether the whole thing was just essentially a bunch of guys fanboying over Robin Hood. I mean, potentially the, 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 again the, the, the whole thing of making them canine. Yeah. And then having you know, having an integrated world effectively where other animals are. Yeah, yeah, they're all people. Yeah, it's an interesting choice, I and mean, I hadn't really thought of it. Like, when was when was Robert Hood? That was nineteen seventy something. It wouldn't have been too long before this. Yeah, so it would have been around about development time, or just before development started, potentially. I would have thought so. I mean, I, Robin Hood was, I think, early to mid seventies. It was certainly the seventies. Um, so yeah, so I mean. Yeah, you're probably right. And I hadn't thought about it in that. It respect. was 1973. Google is your friend. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so 73. So, so this this would have probably been in development for about a year, maybe two before they actually. Um, yeah. Ran it. So. So I mean, you're looking at essentially a, a generation that may have been, that may have been watching Disney's Robin Hood as children. Yeah. Or what? Late. Yeah, young adults. Yeah, young adults, and gone. Yeah, we want to do something. Like that, yeah. 
And, which, it, and it was, I mean, Robin Hood's very successful commercially as well. So I mean, it's very been, successful for Disney yeah. I mean, at, at the time. At, yeah, so I mean, they looked at it and gone, okay, that's a model we can use. We can, we can look at that. So yeah, it's, um, I hadn't, I hadn't tweaked that and to put the connection together at the time, but yeah, you're right. And then by the time you get the second series where they've gone, right, okay, well, we've got a bit more freedom now because we've, we've told the story of D'Artagnan's Dream of What can we do next? Yeah. Um, we'll just take things that we know, that we love, that we enjoy and build them into that story. So what, they are Robin Hood then. Yeah. What was it? Do we know? Was it another dog? Because um, if it was a fucking fox, then no, it wasn't. It I can't quite tell what that's supposed to be. Um, I've got a picture in front of me, but I'm not entirely sure. That's Scooby Doo, is so, what that is. Yeah, that is. Yeah, so that's cool. with Dalmatian markings. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, I'll say now that could be one of the um, that could be one of the lords that one of the noblemen. From the picture, it doesn't it doesn't say a dog then. Yeah, so it's what we're saying. Yeah. He was a dog. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Again, not sure. I mean, to make it a fox would have probably been a bit on the nose. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Even even at a time it would have been nearly twenty years later, it's still people would still. Have I mean, I'm pretty there. sure there's probably copyright issues there if you make him a fox. Yeah, because there's no other reason to make him a fox. No, other than other than Disney did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you even look at um, Zootropolis. Yeah. And you've got... Um, Nick Wilde. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is very Robin Hood, isn't he? Yeah, so even the, the colouring they use on his, on his, on his clothes yeah, yeah. and stuff, yeah. Um, so that's what that's where I was going with it. The, and the whole the thing about fox, you know, foxes are sneaky, foxes are cunning, foxes are evil, blah, 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 blah. But the, he looks very much like Robin Hood yeah, without, yeah. without the Geordie hat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's something that's sort of still going on now, Rosie being the same company that can get away with it. This being an entirely separate entity, entity. I, I, the, the more wind. I think about it, the more I kind of think that this is maybe somebody stealthily just going. Oh, I want to make Robin Hood. Yeah, so it's. I'll make them all dogs, and we'll set it in France, and we'll do the Musketeers instead. It's fine, same thing. Yeah, same thing. And then I'll say somebody goes, "Yeah, have some money, make a second series." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well we'll put Robin Hood in it. Yeah. So um, now, isn't it? I've seen. Images, at least. I've not watched it at all, but I've seen images of a CGI D'Artagnan kicking around. Right. I'll come on to that now. I'll come on to that in a bit. Um, there was, there, it was talked about in 2016. Uh, I was pulling up the place, the, the page now. Um, according to the main website, BRB International was planning a new CGI movie to be released in 2016, which has been delayed. So there's some footage that's obviously been made already because it's it's out there. Um, but there, there have been plans to... Um, to release a, a new version, much like everything else, Inspector Gadget has been revived. And yeah, I mean, I think the, the reason I'm asking is is because we've already got two series then with two separate stories, and I think we're far enough removed now, some thirty six years later. Yeah. Um, surely you just reboot and run that whole first series again as CGI, rather Pretty than much, take yeah. it somewhere different. Yeah, I mean that's what I would do. That's the way I'd look at doing it. And, Fix some of the errors we talked about earlier on, like getting you know, mixing the characters up and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, get some of that stuff right. Maybe you no, know, maybe go to a bit more detail with it. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure what the plan was. So I say it was. Um, it's, it's been delayed. There's very little known about it other than the fact that it was talked about in 2016 and it hasn't materialised since. Okay. Um, so on top of the the two series, there were two. I want to say two TV movies. 
Um, I did not know they were TV movies as well. Yeah, I was trying to find the link now. Um, I said they were. I, I remember being surprised at it because I was thinking I don't, I don't remember those. So you had um, one for all and off one, the D'Artagnan TV special. Um, that was a TV movie. Um, I can't find where it was released, but it was released on DVD in two thousand and four. Um, I, I can't have lost the bloody page. <laughs> so was this? And was this just a standalone yeah. story? Yeah. A new story or a... I don't know, I can't find the link, but it's um I say it was it was definitely one of those it was BRB did it again, um, it doesn't say who they did it with. Um but it, I want to, I wanna say it was mid nineties, so it was after the second series. Okay. So I'd imagine they'll have gone, right, well we need to cash in one last time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you make you make a one off story and you can make in anything. You know, it's, it doesn't have to fit with your narrative, and because if it's if it comes after the second series where um, Richelieu has effectively seceded and gone, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to stop trying to take over the um, the guarding duties. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to. I think it was um, Widmer takes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Widmer is offered the place, the chance to take over the, the Muscarines, and he gives it to D'Artagnan instead. Um, you can at that point think, well. The, Everyone's gone where they can go. So unless you start now pushing the next generation, so you start pushing his kids, or you start introducing new characters in the same sort of mode that D'Artagnan was in the beginning, there's not really anywhere to go with it. But for I mean, I wasn't aware of this. Um, I wasn't aware of this second this um, the TV movie. But no, so, no, I I had no idea there were TV movies as well. So yeah, so I mean, it's it's kept on going. It's kept on taking along for a while. And so it just that was ninety five. The DVD or the VHS and DVD releases were really fucking haphazard. Um, and then it's sort of disappeared until until they started like, talking about it last year and talking about a revival. So I mean, it's it's one of those that it was ever present for a long time. Yeah, and then it just vanished. One one of the things that surprised me um, over the the three episodes of this podcast, and bear in mind one of them was Batman. One of the things that surprised me is like um, the way we're setting this dynamic up if you if you haven't worked that out from these episodes yet is that I'm doing very little research here and I'm just remembering these cartoons it's all about what we remember of them yeah and these were such bigger entities than I like I had no idea how big Inspector Gadget had got and yeah. I certainly had no idea that Dogtanian had films they, they yeah. completely passed me by it is it's quite amazing how we talk about, you know, here we are, 36 years on, and we're talking about this show, so it's obviously had a cultural impact because we remember it. But I didn't realise how commercially viable something like this had been, yeah. that they were able to get a whole second series, and then they were probably straight to VHS back in the day films, mm-hmm. but they were able to get actual films greenlit from it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's... It is interesting, and I said, no, we, I mean, there seem to be things we're finding out as well. I mean, if you look at um, Batman episode, there were there were, un, there were unmade episodes which are now talked about widely on the internet, but because they were never made, people aren't aware. Of it. I, I certainly wasn't aware of them. I'm still hung up on this Batman Catwoman sex episode yeah. that never happened. Um, like, yes, I mean it, it's um, it is it's good now. I mean it's good in that respect that the internet is, has so much information on it. Obviously, you can't guarantee it's all true because a lot of what I'm taking down comes from Wikipedia, so yeah, yeah, yeah. not entirely uh, reliable. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good to see how much that. Yes, we watch the shows. Yes, we love the shows, and we remember the shows, and we're talking about it now. But how much we didn't know that we're still finding out. And I mean, that's look when we were doing Batman episode and doing this one. 
going back and watching things, I'm now picking things up as a bloke in my mid thirties. I'd never picked up as a kid. And oh, I'm yeah, learning absolutely. and there's there's so much in them. That uh, I think I think this one specifically, I mean as a child, I remember watching D'Artagnan, I remember kind of enjoying it. It was never my favourite show. Um but I would, you know, because the story was ongoing, I would continually watch it. If it was on, I wanted to see it because otherwise I'd have missed a week. And when I watch it the next week, You'll have missed I'd have missed something. So I did watch it, but it was never my favourite then. What I found going back to it now, I'm only like re-watching, I'm only about four or five episodes in. I know I'm finishing this run. I'm watching this yeah. season. As an adult, I'm enjoying this show probably well not probably definitely far more than i did as a child yeah i'm not just watching it now because it's on and it's a cartoon i'm actually really enjoying watching this show yeah and the thing is i i, I defy anybody to say in 35 years time they'll pick a show that's on tv now and get the same out of it yeah well certainly children's shows anyway yeah okay. uh, yeah talking specifically about children's shows yeah from say you take something like pet pig yeah, Actually, nobody's talking about Peppa Pig in 35 years' time. I'm talking the fucker who just sold it for two billion quid. Yeah. He'll yeah. be talking about it for the rest of his life because what a fucking struggle like that was. But you look at it, there's no longevity, there's no story, everything is contained to four or five minutes. And going forward, you'll have kids going, oh yeah, I used to watch that. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe if you look at some of the uh, quote-unquote adult animation that gets done now, Obviously, um, a certain amount of that gets sold on the fact that the humour is more adult. But you look at the structure of it as well. You look at something like uh, a Rick and Morty then. Yeah. Where, yes, obviously it's a comedy show. But it has, even though it's episode of the week, it has a long-running narrative. And things are continually called back. And there are story arcs and characters grow and evolve and develop over the course of the show. And you have to think that a lot of that is rooted on those guys being brought up on this stuff. Yeah. So when they think of episodic animation, this is the kind of thing that they think yeah. of. Yeah, and if even have to look at sort of like Family Guy have never really done it. South Park have started doing the last couple of seasons. They will have an arc. South Park, I think, has always had an arc, and not just over a season. Like South Park, over the course of its life as a show, calls back regularly. Yeah, it, it does. And but I mean, if you look, if you look at the last season, they 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 replaced Donald Trump with Mr. Garrison. Yeah. Um, which in itself was fucking hilarious. But they they told they had week, they had weekly episodes, but it all fed into a larger arc. Yeah. I can't remember what they did the year before, but they've done it for they've rather than saying, right, we'll have standalone episodes and every now and again we'll call back to them, they've actually had a season and that season will be Yeah. It's set up, that will be stand on its own. Um, and they're looking to do it now. I've only seen the first two episodes of the new season, but it's again they're setting up to up to to parody what's going on at the moment in America. Um but yeah, it's and again, as you said, it's because because of the stuff they'd have watched as kids and the stuff they'd have grown up with. The kids who are growing up now watching Peppa Pig and King Paw Patrol and stuff like that, they will they'll take they'll have to be taught how to tell a linear narrative. Yeah. Because they're not exposed to it regularly. No. And I think that's a very worrying thing that so I mean, by the time this generation get onto making kids TV, I won't be watching it. So it's not really yeah. such a problem. But it's worrying for the state of of what's to come because if they don't know how to pull a story together over a, over a period of time how to put an art together they're never going to write that and that, that art is going to disappear and we're already seeing it now where the stuff that's coming on now have already lost it yeah oh yeah definitely there is and, and as I think 
the younger generation move away from linear narrative and TV and into YouTube and these kind of 30 second yeah. snippets and videos, then yeah, that that art is really going to have to be maintained. Otherwise it's going to vanish and we will see much in the same way that when we started talking just earlier on this episode, I would have bounced off D'Artagnan a little bit because it's old timey. Yeah. We'll get the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it won't be that it's, it's not that it was old timey in its format then. It was more that, oh, that's the way they used to tell stories with peasants in France and everybody's yeah. wearing silly hats and using swords instead of guns. And yeah, it will just appear antiquated to to a whole generation. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's it's a shame, really. So do your bit for society, folks, and start supporting like proper episodic TV yeah. rather than. If you want to give us if you want to give us some money, we'll make it for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. Um, but you yeah. can't draw for shit, so it won't be animated. Yeah, but that's all right. No, we can. We can Unless it's about stick men. Even then, I wouldn't chance your arm. Yeah, I probably can't animate the stick. I can draw a stick man. I probably can't animate it. Yeah, I, I'm taking the piss, but I'm not better. Um, then again, look at the quality of drawing in Pepper fucking Pig. What? Yeah, Pep, for those of you who've not seen it, imagine a cock and balls with a body on the bottom of it. Yeah, pretty that, much. That's what Pepper Pig looks like. Um, if you have kids and you've been forced to sit through it again and again and again like I have, every time you watch Pepper Pig from now on, you will see a cock and balls. And you will have to stifle laughs to, or explain to your children why you're pissing yourself. So just, I hadn't actually realised that Peppa Pig's face was a cock and balls until you just said it. And now it definitely is a cock and balls. Yeah. <laughs> it actually is. When, when you're on your fourth episode of the day at seven o'clock in the morning, that's what keeps you going. The fact that somebody was having a real fucking so laugh. So yet again, when we come back, even now in the modern generation, if you want a moderately, or in this case, exceedingly successful animation product. Cock and balls. Cock and balls. Dick, Wang, and Peppa Pig's face. That's there it. you go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, just wrapping this up, as we were talk, I was start talking about the, um, the, the home release um, of the show, because obviously came at a time where VHS was, was, was popular. Um, the way it was released in the VHS, um, during the late 80s, um, Video Collection International, so they, they released um, Thundercats and things like that as well. So they, mm-hmm. they, they were quite big, they did quite a lot of, um, of high-profile stuff. But they did numerous releases of Dogtanian, so from broadcasting BBC in 1985 to 1987, and the latest reruns on ITV in 88 to 90. So it did, it, it did rerun on, on ITV. So, I knew I wasn't crazy. Yeah, I, it must have been on ITV, because yeah. that, that's where I saw it. Um, but yeah, so you had... They broke it down into volumes, but the volumes were episodes. So you had um, Dogtown and Three Musketeers on video cassette, Dogtown and Three Musketeers episode three and four, episodes five, or episode five, episode six and seven, episode eight and nine, episode ten and eleven, and then the complete invention of Dogtown in nineteen ninety, and then Dogtown and Three Musketeers uh, in July nineteen ninety one. So they basically half asked it over the course of two years, and they went. Oh yeah, people aren't buying it because they don't want to buy two episodes and not follow it. And then they restore series. It, yeah. it was an early box set, if you like. Um, and then when they did the DVD release, again, it was season um, season one. They did one to nine, ten to fifteen, sixteen to twenty, and uh, twenty one to twenty six. So they released separate box sets for a half and a half quarter series, effectively. Um, and if you think of, sort of, I mean, obviously you don't do box sets now because you have Netflix and stuff, but. Even way box sets are done now, you don't do half a series because no fuck I'll buy it. No. Although that was very much um, back in the, the 90s and 2000s, that was how you treated a show you released. 
you think of any show, X Files, Buffy, mm, any, yeah. any any TV show with an arc, you would get half season box sets, yeah, of three tapes each. So this was treated like a, a, a real yeah. proper TV show, not a yeah, cartoon. True. Where the temptation would have been with cartoons, um, and I know from experience, I'm sure we've all had some tapes of shows that we watched. They would just do a best of. Yeah. They would pick random episodes. They wouldn't be in any kind of order. They'd just do a best of and stick them on a tape. Yeah. Whereas this was treated with respect. Yeah. And then, but so this, that was 2003, 2004, they released this other set. And then you had the complete the complete series, 2004. Um, the movie, One for All, All for One, and Dartanian TV special, uh, July 2004. And then the second series um, was released as one in July 2005. So the second series was just released on its own. Yeah. Um, and in November 2010, a version was released that contains the series one, two, and the movies put together exclusively with HMV. Now the complete set box set has been made available for other retailers. Um, everything was a look. See, everything was available in Region Zero, apart from Season Two, which was released in Region Two. So, but, wow! So we're the only ones that get. Um, yeah, we're the only ones who get the. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? Considering, well, I guess that's the Thames connection. Yeah. Then. Because everything, this was the, the the movie and the first series was Region Zero. Um, wow. And on, on, the first series was released on DVD in the US in 2012. They haven't had the second season. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I know the Americans in history aren't great, so they're probably not interested in something uh, in a show that talks about 17th century France. But yeah. apologies to any Americans who are, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the way it's, even the way it's been handled so, uh, post-release, and not even though it's been dead and buried for quite a long time, it's... It, it's it's not as you've talked about so the, the the way it was released and so the, the way there's mm-hmm. a respect of the way they did other other shows but then they completely fucked their audience in as much as they're not releasing it they're not releasing it now yeah. halfway around the world so it, it's an interesting one as I think yeah. I think the way it's been handled so some of the I don't want to say missteps because I think the, the show stands up but I think some of the, the way they handle certain aspects of it and they just got thing, basic things wrong I think it's kind of telling, just even the way they marketed it around the world. They're like, "Yeah, well, you know what?" Yeah, I think I think what's interesting about it, um, what it shows is, whilst, as I say, thinking back to Child, this was not my my favourite show, mm. and I think it's probably not one. If you stopped anybody in the street and went name a show from your childhood, nobody's going Dog Canyon. No, right? Somebody might go Inspector Gadget or Batman yeah. or He Man. If or- you said name ten shows from your childhood. It'd be in there. Yeah, it'd probably be but in there. But it wouldn't right? be the first one off, off, your, no. off your brain. But the fact that, bearing all of that in mind, that it's still going, and despite missteps like that, what that shows is that there is genuine quality storytelling there, and that will out. Yeah. Quality will out. It's as simple as that. And it is, like I said, I fully intend on continuing to watch the whole run of this show again now. Yeah. It's that good. Um. And so as it's being released and people are picking it up, it's not something where, oh, it's a quick nostalgia fix. This is genuinely good. Yeah. And that's why, you know, if you do release it, people will pay money for it and it Mm. will get picked up. And it just shows that perhaps creative people are sometimes not the most business savvy people is the issue here. And there's probably also a lot of rights issues tied up. So the I've no doubt the reason it's on Region 2 and nothing else is because Thames ponied up the money. Yeah. Who owns the rights to it in those other territories is probably quite complicated, but Thames own it in the UK, and so they can go, right, we're going to flesh this one out. Yeah. Yeah. 
And as, as you said, it's it's not necessarily surprising. I say business people are generally not generally yeah. not very creative and vice versa. So yeah, that's probably it. Um, right. So in wrapping up, I've not really got anything else to say on it. So. I think we've already established, but for you, was it worth rewatching? And does it stand out? Absolutely. This this one has really surprised me. As I say, when when we put the list together um, for for this for the first, I think we've got the first twelve or so episodes, um, and Dog Tanyon was on there by virtue of we just kept naming shows. I'm like, oh, Dog Tanyon, and I was quite excited to get into this one because I remembered very little about it other than I watched it at a very young age, and as I say, it wasn't one of my favourites. So this one has really, really caught me off guard. Um, I fully intend on watching the whole thing. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't recommend it enough. And like I said, this is in danger of becoming a slightly lost art. So yeah. support it. Pick um, this up and watch it. Absolutely. Um, like for me, it's the same. And just the fact that there's so much of it I don't remember, or so much of it I'd sort of taken for granted and just have gone, oh, well, that follows that. It's, it just mm-hmm. runs straight through. And the fact that so much has gone into producing two very different of the versions of the same show. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I've, I've rewatched the first of three, possibly four episodes um, in doing this, and then sort of went back to the reading because it's quicker. Um, but yeah, watching, I think, bloody hell, I'm really enjoying this. I'm thinking that's quite dark. There's quite a lot to it. There's quite a lot of story to it. So let's crack on. And yeah, I think for me, it's it's definitely worth a revisit. And I think that introducing kids to it now of the age of about so five or six. That's no. That's how you're going to capture the imagination and keep it going. Definitely. Um, and hopefully get rid of the pepper pigs of the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely been a good one to revisit, and I'm really glad we did. Yeah, me too. All right. So yeah, so that's um, Dog Tanya and the Mus- and Three Musket Hounds. Um, as always, we welcome any feedback. If you want to talk to us, um, hit us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet or go to our web- webcast ddpodcast.net. Just variation on a theme. Um, but yeah, use the hashtag SMPD and we'll uh, read out the best comments and, and questions and things on, uh, on the next show. The next show is Animaniacs, which slightly later, um, some of the humour was slightly more risque and I think we'll come into that in quite a lot of detail. But again, questions, comments, anything you want, feel free to get in touch and we'll read the best ones on the show. But until next time. All for one and one for all. Because-